Okay, it's three o'clock. Let's begin the meeting. All right. Rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. Okay, we fill in here. Uh, if you just arrived, if you wouldn't mind signing in if you plan to speak. There's a sign-in sheet here on the table. Ooh. Okay, let's move. <clears throat> Item three is going to be public comments and announcements. Now, on public comments and announcements, let's hold these comments strictly to items that aren't related to what we're here to discuss today. So if we have anybody who would like to speak uh, regarding any other issue, come up to the podium, please. Hearing none. Okay, we'll go into item four. And this is going to be off of, uh, this is a revised agenda. So I don't know if, if everybody had access to or, or had uh, has a chance to read the revised agenda. And what I want to do is I want to take these... There's five items, A through E. I want to take each one of these uh, singular so we're not talking over each other and getting confused and such. So 4.1, there's a discussion and action regarding forwarding recommendations to the city council related to Article 7, short-term rentals, related to zones B, B2, and E, only related to single-family homes and single-family attached properties related to the following. Okay, we'll take point A. Point A, to possibly require two trash cans for properties registered as short-term rentals. If you wish to speak on this item, please come to the podium. <clears throat> and if you would state your name. My name is Tom Goodman. I'm Padre Allen Reynolds. Uh, I've been out here on the island doing business there for about 40 years, about since I poured sand on the beach. And uh, I wanted to thank you very much for the opportunity to speak today. Um, I kind of want to speak in general at first. I know you want to take this just kind of one at a time, but I'd, I'd like to just kind of speak generally. First of all, I also come, thank you for receiving our letter and postponing the meeting last week uh, to, to today. We appreciate that very much. But I wanted to speak also as a Vacation Rental Manager Association, which we put together out here on the island, which I'm currently the president of. It's the vacation rental business on, on the island is, um, we, we bring in more money than the hotels to the, to the city coffers. And I mean, we brought in about $7 million last year, more than, which is again, more than the hotels. And I, I, it just becomes really important to understand the economic impact of, when, of what vacation rentals can do. Having said that, I do not want to say and or, or, or help you to say in any way, shape, or form that what we're doing is here to oppose what it is that you're trying to do. Not at all. As a matter of fact, we, as I've said to the city council a number of times, uh, we want to work together with you because when you improve what's going on in here, when the city improves what's going on here, we actually do better together. Mm -hmm. I, I, the worst calls I get are in the middle of the night when some noise is going on next door and I got guests who are trying to sleep and I got noise going on next door. I don't need those kinds of issues. I don't want those kinds of issues. So what we're trying to do with the Vacation Rental Manager Association is lift the professionalism of, who we're, of how we do things out here on the island. 
We're trying to improve it. So we are absolutely happy to be here to work with you on many of these issues. So that's just kind of a general comment to start with. I think that becomes important because I, I worry many times that what happens is you get just a few bad actors out here on the island to give the rest of us a bad name. And, and that just, when, when it's so economically important to the island and we have a few homes out there, and, and please understand, I'm trying to be quick about this, but please understand too that you could actually go and ban all vacation rentals out here on the island. You'd still have a problem. You'd still have the party houses. You'd still have some of those issues that are taking place. So the short-term rentals per se is not necessarily the issue that we're dealing with. If you're dealing with professional associations, we have a number of professional association manager, you know, real estate uh, short-term rental managers here today. We represent about, I don't know, 160 properties. We've got others out here, but we've been doing this a long time, so we understand the issues. And we want to work with you in doing that. So having said that, please understand we're, we're, we're not opposed. We're not trying to create problems out here. We're trying to, with you, help prevent the problems that are there because it's only bad for our business at the same time. But you understand where the problems are coming from. This is one of the things that happened. The, the city just filed a, a, a licensing ordinance where we're going to be paying $125 per rental property to the city now per year. That money's going to a software that the city will use to help to identify where the actual issues are coming, coming from. How many, because I've been trying to ask and find out how many of the actual grievances and, you know, just the problems with the police actions out here come from vacation rentals. And, and nobody really knows. I mean, I, we get a lot of people who are not willing to come forward and say the problems. But we have said as an association, we are ready to go forward and talk to those owners. You give me an owner who's got a problem with going on, I'll go to him and say, hey, you know, we got to clean this up here. We can manage it professionally and probably earn more money than you're making right now and have less problems. We can do all of that. We know how to do that kind of stuff. That's what we've been doing. So we really are here to work together with you. Please understand that to begin with. So having to deal with the trash can issues, I'll let somebody else address the rest of that. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. I just want to mention, too, um, Mr. Goodman, I appreciate that uh, you came up with the attitude that you're not opposed and you're looking for cooperation. And I just want to mention kind of in generally, in general, it was uh, kind of put out publicly that uh, short-term rentals may be under attack. And I just want to be clear, at least from my position, that is absolutely not the case. This should not be an adversarial meeting. Um, in my opinion, the, uh, the purpose of this meeting is an effort to recommend fair and reasonable elements of the city's ordinance regarding the short-term rentals that uh, preserve the rights of the property owners and protects the quality of life for full-term residents. Here, here. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Lynn Maurer. I live here and I'm an owner and I manage my own property. And I want to say I absolutely agree with you, Joseph. I, I don't know you, but I, I like what you just said. <laughs> about, you know, taking things, you know, just keeping things in perspective here. Not all of us are big property managers. Some of us have our own places and stuff. So but back to the trash cans, that's what we're supposed to be talking about, item A. Uh, two trash cans per unit. Some units have our two bedrooms, some have four, some have one. I mean, it might be a little overkill to have two trash cans, you know, for places that have just one or two bedrooms. So I think that needs to be looked at a little bit further. Okay, thank you, thank you. I'm Barbara Hayes. I live in the villas of South Padre. 
Um, since 2019, the Villas of South Padre has required two trash cans for every rental property. It's because on checkout days, we would have one trash can full, trash beside it, and days like yesterday, today, last Friday, trash all over the yards, all over the streets. And then on turnaround days, the trash wasn't emptied. We'd have people checking in that afternoon to a house with a full trash can, and they had nowhere to put their trash. So the Villas of South Padre, a homeowners association community, set up in their rental policy to require two trash cans for every rental. And we had no pushback from any rental property on that. No one said, ah, I can't afford to pay for the extra trash can and the extra monthly charge that they're going to charge me for it. No one has said anything, and it works well. It's not been any issue whatsoever with regards to rental property, and we don't have a trash problem. I do want to note, though, just as something to think about in a policy, the following year, in 2020, we developed a list probably similar to what you are suggesting way down being posted in houses. And, we, and in that list of information for the rentals, it's a rental information sheet, a one-page sheet, we list the trash days, when to put the trash can out, where to put the trash can out, and um, guess what? The renters put the trash out. They put the trash out every Tuesday and every Friday. You wouldn't know who a renter is because everyone in the subdivision has their trash cans out. And we don't have a trash problem at all. I suspect that by educating the renters, that might have actually been the solution in the first place because the trash cans were being emptied twice a week instead of just, instead of just being left until they checked out. And if they were there seven days, they didn't ever put their trash out. Um, so it worked. Educating them works. So we will continue to require two trash cans. I cannot emphasize enough how important it is that the renters know that there's true trash cans, not just have two trash cans in a garage, but know when to put those trash cans out so that there's not a buildup of trash. But I fully support the two trash can policies. And we oftentimes now, and during winter Texan season, we just have one couple in every house. And we still require two trash cans for that. And it has never been an issue. Tom Goodman again, Padre Allen Reynolds. What we do is we actually have staff that will go in between reservations and go pick up the trash and bring it back to our dumpsters. So we, we, we are constantly monitoring those kinds of issues so we don't see those kinds of problems related to it. But we, we actually go and pick up the trash in a, in a dumpster, bring it back, and put it, in, put it in our bins so that a guest going in doesn't have a half-full bin or a previous sailor full bin, just something we do. Professional management. My name is Ken Rakers, and I'm a resident here on the island. We're in an eight-unit eight complex, and uh, I've been here through 14 or so years of what goes on at the island, so I have a little bit of an understanding of things. And uh, I, I don't really think our units need that many cans. We're, right now we have six, and I've checked for the last three years, and they're not any of them full, ever full. Uh, so I, I, just, I guess I have an issue with that. Uh, requiring to, you know, if, if, if we need them, we, we put them in, but we really don't need them. Four of our units are part-time, and four of them are rented. Uh, most of the times, the winter rentals, they do what the lady said. They put their trash out on trash day, 
Uh, I've seen them pull the can out to the street, so I, it's not an issue. And uh, spring break children, it's surprising. Uh, the young people, when they come, I talk to them, and they want to know what day recycle is. <laughs> and I think, I think they would recycle. I, I really think they would. And, you know, I know we do have a program on the island now for pickup at the curb. Uh, maybe it might be during spring break you could put out temporary recycle bins somewhere in the city. You'd probably need cameras to keep people from putting trash into them, but that might be an option that wouldn't fill the trash cans. And you know, these kids drink a lot of beer and they have a lot of cans, so that might might be worth something. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Elena Jones of Padre Getaways and also a member of the Vacation Rental Management Association of SVI. And I do have some general comments, but I think I will save those to the last item because I think you would like to take each one of these item by item. But one of the things I think would be really helpful for the group here is to know what existing ordinances are already on the books with respect to each of these areas that apply to everyone, trash, parking, et cetera. We all know that we are, hopefully everyone knows, we have a short-term vacation rental ordinance, the STRR, that was written several years ago. And it was well debated. It was well thought out. There was a group that represented all stakeholders from property owners who did not rent to um, brokers and realtors. And one of the things in that ordinance is that it requires compliance, needless to say, with every other ordinance that's there. So I think it would be helpful if we talked about each one of these, as we talked about, if we knew what those ordinances were that are in existence. Okay, thank you, Lena. <clears throat> Anybody else want to speak on this item? My name is Judy Bothman, and uh, we have a unit in a fourplex on Coralie, and we have four trash cans, and four are a great plenty for a four-unit complex. We never have them full, and if we had any more, they'd be obstructing our parking places even worse than they are now. We have tandem parking, and if you put two trash cans in front of them, then we've ruined a parking space. So. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. I guess what we'll do is we'll close A <clears throat> and we can discuss it we'll first. Bring back uh, or not? We'll close it to the public, I guess, and we'll just have discussion here at the board. Okay. okay who wants to kick this off? Yeah, I have kind of a general statement I like to make. Uh, you know, years ago, we really didn't have many short-term rentals. And, of course, now it's grown quite a bit. And, you know, things have changed a lot. Now they advertise on the Internet. They do booking on the Internet. They have property managers and associations, and they have to collect hot tax. And a lot of things have changed over the years. So, you know, these basically now have become, you know, definition of a business. And uh, the city has a responsibility to monitor and control businesses like they do any other business on the island. And especially this has a special impact because these businesses are operating in residential zoning. And I think that kind of kicks it up a bit because not only do you have to protect the rights of the 
the renting, the property owners, but you've got to also respect the rights of the homeowners that live in those neighborhoods. You know, they have quality of life issues they want preserved, you know, and they expect it to be preserved. You know, and they don't want, you know, most of the renters come in here and they're no problem, everything goes fine, but there's a certain percentage where it doesn't. And I think the city has a responsibility of one, putting together regulations and ordinances and guidances to reduce any potential issues coming forward, and also have a means where the public can react to things that they see that are not up to snuff. And so I think there's a two-edged sword here, and I think some of these proposals are trying to address that. They may not be totally accurate, but I think it, it's a start. The city is actually trying to step up and listen to what the homeowners are telling them. So I think as we go forward, let's try to find that balance. Okay. That's right. Good point. In, uh, in regards to just the trash issue by itself, clearly has been a, a problem on the island, otherwise we wouldn't be discussing it. Um, to say that, that one can is enough for every uh, rental unit, I think is inaccurate. Um, to say that two is uh, overdoing it for some rental units, I believe also is inaccurate. I did notice that on the uh, VRMA proposal, where they discuss trash, uh, they talk about uh, requiring trash cans by occupancy limit. I think that's a good idea. I think 12 is a little steep, probably too much. I'd probably cut that number uh, down a bit. Um, I think maybe in half even, somewhere between six and 10, if the occupancy is from six and 10 require two. I don't know, what do y'all think? What, for the number of trash cans? Yeah. Well, you know, again, we're addressing single-family residents, not condominiums. Okay. That's what this agenda says. So what we're saying is that, and I understand that a one-bedroom place rarely is going to fill up a trash can, but I think the big issue is here is those transition periods where you've got somebody leaving and throwing all their trash in a right. can, then the next people coming in with right. the full trash cans. Well, I, I, I live in one of those neighborhoods. <clears throat> every house on my street is either single, well, every house is single family. It's all single family homes and some townhomes. And, that, and, that's and I've seen think. during, there's, and we have a few rentals, not many, but we have a few rentals, and I've seen the trash overflow. I've, I've seen, oh, yeah. it's, I think we it's all not have. more, it's not necessarily just because they didn't take it out on the day because where I live, you know, the uh, the trash guys take the cans to the street. It's just, you know, they have parties or whatever in the house and it was in abundance. So I'm thinking if we want to increase the, the number of trash can requirements to the rental properties, I think it's a good idea. But it, I do agree with the uh, VRMA in this issue that it should be based on occupancy, uh, not just every single rental unit should have two cans like our proposal says right now. It says every rental should have two cans. I'm thinking that might be excessive for certain areas that don't need them, that have yeah. smaller occupancy. What limits. do you do with the six-bedroom homes? <clears throat> but, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, I think should have at least two. Small, yeah. but what is too much? Well, I, I'm thinking we could come up with a number of occupancy limit where they would need the two cans. So based on the occupancy of the yes, people? Yes, sir. That's, that's or the bedrooms? There's another way. I would way say the occupancy limit, because occupancy limit's based on what? Bedrooms? I would agree. I uh, get up in the morning and 
If anybody's out there on uh, Gulf Boulevard and you see this crazy old man on a tricycle, that's me. And it's early. And so these transition times, I see it. The buildings that have a lot of cars in front of them have the trash problem. There's, there's several out there. There's one, it doesn't matter which ones they are. When they get up to six cars in front of them, you can bet on checkout day, there's trash all over the place. So I think it's got to do with occupancy more than bedrooms. And that's, I mean, I do this all the time. So especially in the summertime, that's when it's bad. And then all of a sudden the trash is out there. It's, it's not the tenant's fault. They got nowhere to put it. So let's say you have six bedrooms. How many people you put in the bedrooms? Four. So you got 24 people and two trash cans. That's it. Or one. And the trash is all over the street. So I think you have to look at it as an occupancy issue, not a bedroom issue. Uh, Please. Hang on. Okay, go ahead. I just want to, sh I, I, don't admit again. I just want to shed a little more light on this situation. We start talking about occupancy. When we apply for rental permits from the city, we have to indicate how many people can occupy that property, the limit. So you can go into the city and take a look at that rental permit for that particular property and see how many people can occupy that property. That's something that we take very, very seriously. And yes, we get prop the guests that come in and want to bring in, you know, throw them come, you know, with them. And we, we fight against that all the time. And so understand that, yes, we every rental property has an occupancy limit to it identified already. Uh, I think that's why it's important that they, uh, you know, this regarding the trash can, number of trash cans be based on occupancy. Um, you know, there was a comment about have someone checking out and the trash is full. And, I, you know, my thought would be, well, it'd be a benefit to the owner to provide an additional trash can. So that's not an issue. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with what's been said so far, but I, I do think this just does come back to an occupancy or, you know, the, just the not necessarily number of bedrooms, but just occupancy would uh, kind of dictate how many trash cans would be needed. Now we've got to, you know, come up with a number. Okay. I would propose that that number be eight. <clears throat> and uh, I know that sounds random. Yeah. Uh, uh, for every every person over eight occupancy, anything over eight person occupancy, I think it requires a second can. A quick question. Randy, what, how is occupancy calculated? How is occupancy calculated? How do you calculate the number of people? It's two to a bedroom? That's correct. Yes. Serena Marie Island Rentals SPI. So I do have a couple, I have many condos, but I also have a duplex, single family home. It, it sounds like the issue is we don't want the trash blowing around, right? Right. Um, even in my own personal place, we have plenty of cans, but sometimes the wind will knock them open and then trash still blows. So 
uh, I just want to share what I do is I require or I make sure that my housekeeping puts large trash bags, enough for everybody. Because the issue comes when you get these people drinking beer and they put out like the carton with the empty beer cans and then the little white bags. Um, so I haven't had an issue with that. And yes, there are times when the garbage can is full, but there might be a closed up black bag, large black bag next to it. And that solves the problem of what the issue is, is we don't want trash blowing around our island. So that's just mm -hmm. something to consider. But sir. Thank you. Well, I'm not, I'm not even certain that the waste management would even take anything other than what's in your they do. assigned can. Yeah, they, they do. do. Yeah, they're real good. Not normally. They do yeah, sometimes, no, but I, just I, for courtesy, that. but I wouldn't count on it. Okay. I would, uh, in dealing with just 4.1 Section A, I would like to make a motion that we recommend to the City Council mm -hmm. that uh, they consider they consider requiring two trash cans for property that's registered as a short-term rental with an occupancy, a maximum occupancy of eight or more. I think it's reasonable. It can be a four bedroom. Right. Pull out sofa being a little bit. So the occupancy say for four bedrooms is eight people. How many trash cans would you have then? Whatever whatever the the uh, occupancy is on the on the registration, if it's eight or more, my recommendation to City Council, what I, I'm proposing, my motion would be that they recommend two trash cans for every short-term rental who has an, that has an occupancy, maximum occupancy of eight or more. So that, you're talking, so maybe a four-bedroom house. Or, Whatever it is. That really doesn't cover the transition, though. You know, the issue we have here is that they can easily fill one trash can on checkout day, then the next people coming in, they have a full trash can to deal with until it's picked up, if it gets moved to the street or not. So I think the intent here was to make sure we don't have trash being collected. And, you know, I think four bedrooms is quite a bit of people to have just one trash can. I know they go, you know, that's my opinion. I think you're a little too generous there on that. Can interject? I think uh, you can accommodate eight guests in a three-bedroom, right? Yeah. I mean, if you include the sleep, the sleeper, and yeah, so those are. I think that's the majority of three-bedroom units can accommodate eight to ten people. So you're thinking it should be what six six guests? That that doesn't seem. I'm, I, I agree. I would say no more than six. I think I'm with eight. Yeah, with you. And, and there, there's a something in our in our letters and packet that we received that that could be considered. Well, yeah, that was twelve. Is that uh, you know a lot of these these units have they're set up for bunk beds and they they have children and children aren't big. They're not, um, however you say it. They're, yeah, but you know, they're they're not drinking beer. Yeah, they're not uh, contributing. That's the word. But um, I think I think eight, which would be a could be a three bedroom with a pull out sofa. Mm -hmm. 
or it could be a four-bedroom only, you know, house. The occupancy would be eight people. I think that's reasonable. I, th I think that wouldn't be a burden on anybody. And to your point about the transition, um, somebody said something about just putting rules up about when to take the trash out. That's, issue. that's yeah. another issue we're going to talk about later on, too. Yeah, you know, they pick up the trash twice a week, but that providing somebody, depends on where they store their trash cans, whether this, they'll come get them or not. So yeah, that, that's a different issue, though. That's a matter of educating the renters that, hey, you've got to take the trash out on trash day, you know. So would you like me to repeat my motion? Yeah, if you want to, if you want to put that to a motion. Okay. And I want the audience to know that uh, the key word here is these are recommendations to the council. We're not, we're not making any decisions up here. So if, if it favors you or it's unfavorable, these are simply recommendations. Nothing, nothing official's happening today. Saying, don't be mad at us. So, <laughs> these are just uh, this is going from us to them. So, I, you want to make a motion on this side? Yes, sir. Okay. Four point one A only. I'll make a motion to recommend to the city council to require two trash cans for property registered as a short-term rental unit with a maximum occupancy of eight or more persons. Okay. Do I have a second on the motion? I second. Okay. Any more discussion? Chris, can I add something, please? I think you need to be very careful with the word registered. We have thousands of properties that still are not registered on this island. And okay. one of the things that our letter spoke to is enforcing our existing ordinances. And if we don't enforce the short-term registration ordinance, this motion won't have, this recommendation won't have any teeth because it doesn't speak to those who are the real violators, and those are the ones who aren't registered, who aren't. Well, I know that. It's a very different issue, though. But, yeah. but yeah. if you leave the word registered in, then your recommendation is only going to apply to registered properties. How about those that aren't registered? And again, what is the trash ordinance now? Um, I'm not in disagreement with the occupancy. Obviously, that was our recommendation. I think eight's a little shy. I think the reality is that we need to perhaps look at what the fire codes are for these properties, but a two-bedroom townhome and can be a condominium, even though you've got it spelled the way you do, there still can be townhomes that are condominiumized. And two bedrooms can accommodate eight people, and it can be four kids and four adults, or two adults and two kids, whatever the case may be. So even though the occupancy is registered at eight, to have two trash cans might be excessive. So I just encourage you those two points is to look at what the occupancy of these units really should be, enforce the ordinances that are there, especially the short-term registration ordinance, and be careful that you don't apply anything to just registered properties because then you're going to miss all the violators. Well, Elena, we're, we're not, you know, we're not an enforcement. No, I, I know you're not, but how this gets recommended well, is, don't you want it to apply to all vacation rentals? Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. then you need to take the word registered out. You can still leave, you know, the <clears throat> occupancy of that unit. There shouldn't be any unregistered short-term rentals. There shouldn't be, but I'm here to tell you there are thousands. There are. And that needs to change. I, I yes, agree with you that needs to change. We quit calling the websites. We keep quit doing the things we were doing to find those that aren't registered. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. There's been a motion and a second. Okay. <clears throat> there hat, Randy. I know we being Randy Smith, city manager. I also want to make 
uh, I, maybe everyone else is clear. I wouldn't. Are, so, are you also proposing that it that this on the occupancy is it strictly just a question? It, are you moving away from the single family uh, criteria in the suggestion, saying all? Because uh, I think some people might want to know what we're saying here. Are, is that what the recommendation is? All rentals, regardless whether they're registered or not, all rentals that are eight people or more advertised because of course you got to get away from the bedrooms when you start going to occupancy is my suggestion as they said you you don't base it on bedrooms when you go to occupancy you just base on what they're saying their occupancy is and if they're violation in occupancy the fire department can address that separately but are you saying this is within the criteria of what's written on the paper today or are you moving citywide occupancy not based on single family that's all, just make it clear in the motion within the good. criteria of to, no, within single family, within the zones that we're talking, not about applying this. to other condos. Right. right. Okay. And then we we'll have to find out from right. legal later whether we can. Whether we're we're just addressing or, what's on the agenda. Right. Yeah. I mean, if the, condominiums are excluded, if, if condominiums, you know, if it rears its head, we'll we'll have that hearing at that time. But the agenda it does state residential. Everything yeah. we're discussing is about zones B, B, two, and E. That's right. it. Okay, motion and a second. All in favor of the motion, raise your hand, say aye. 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 Any opposed? Seeing none. Recommendation carries. Okay, here's a big one, number B. This is to possibly require one parking space per bedroom. <clears throat> Effective date would be for all newly registered or unregistered short-term rentals. I'll speak on this, please come forward. Nobody wants to talk about parking. Oh, here we go. Good afternoon. Uh, Lindsay Martinez with the South Padre Island Board of Realtors. Um, our issue with um, the requiring one spot per bedroom for single family homes is that we have a parking issue on the island. And the issue with this, if we required this, um, People purchase properties on the island for investment, um, you know, for their future retirement. Um, if you made this a requirement, there's many investors, many homeowners that would not be able to do that. Um, we don't have, we can't just come up with extra parking um, for that. So that's that's our issue with this one. Thank you. Thanks, Lindsay. Again, Barbara Hayes in the Villas. Um, and Villas is in Zone B. We are single family homes and single-family townhomes, but we do we are the zone B under all the categories. Okay, I want to go on record as being opposed to setting a parking space per bedroom policy. In the villas, we already have a more restrictive vehicle parking policy. We allow a maximum of four vehicles per rental property, and a vehicle can be a golf cart. If you rent a golf cart, that is one of your four vehicles. Most of our homes in the villas only have parking for four, for four vehicles. We, have a, we are two-car garages and two-car driveways. That's all we have. Regardless of the number of bedrooms, we are also a community of larger homes. Five, four, five, six, seven bedroom homes in the villas. And yet we still restrict all rental parking to four vehicles maximum. 
Now, we have a luxury that a lot of standalones don't have. We are a gated community. Even though we are single-family homes, we may fall into the same type of uh, enforcement as some of the large condominiums that have gated communities and different parking. We're a gated community with round-the-clock security. You can't get into the villas without going through security. So we're able to enforce our four-vehicle maximum policy. But if you up that parking space to per bedroom, then anyone that right now is not in the rental pool but decides they want to put their home in the rental pool may not be able to if they're a five or a six or a seven bedroom home. And someone that wants to sell their home and then the new owner put it in the rental pool, they, could also, they would also not be allowed to rent their home because they wouldn't meet the requirements. We don't, we have, we don't have any additional parking. We don't even have street parking. We've got driveway parking and garage parking, and that is it. But again, we have the luxury of enforcing four cars per rental vehicle. But I am opposed to making that a criteria for rental because you will knock out a lot of future rentals in the villas if you do that. Thank you. Hi, Eva Jean Dalton. I'd just like to state I'm speaking as a real estate professional and a property owner today. Um, just to point out that I know of a lot of townhomes that have enclosed their garages. And if you require more parking, they're not going to have any place to park because they only have maybe one parking spot as it is. And I know of some homes that have enclosed their garages. So on those, where are they going to park? So I'd just like to point that out. Okay, thank you. Anybody else? <clears throat> Randy, you want to let him speak first? Uh, I know we have legal here, and they could answer it better than me, but I, I'm pretty sure associations can be more restrictive. Nobody's implying that associations can't be restrictive. I know some places, uh, you know, Certain fire pits are allowed, but other associations say those fire pits aren't allowed here, only gas or electric. We're not re setting restrictions for private gated associations. Okay. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Roberto Gomisarenko. I'm really an investor here at the island. I own 26 uh, units. And uh, I think that uh, what, you're, what you need to look at is new construction. <laughs> Because if you don't have enough parking from the onset when the building permit was done, it's never going to happen. It's, it's not going to be enforceable because they're not going to have enough space, never ever, to park. Uh, if I'm going to buy another property and I know of this restriction, you're limiting my ability to buy that property if I don't have enough parking. And it may be a great opportunity that I'm going to miss. So when the building department does the permit for new construction, they can put it as a requirement that if it has three bedrooms, then it has to have three parking spaces for that particular uh, con new construction. I guess it makes sense, but to me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you guys can pick the problems, can't you? <laughs> Tom Goodman again. Uh, but we deal with this all the time. And the Condominium Association, I know we're not talking about them, but they, they deal with this problem all the time. 
and what they often do is require permits uh, to be issued uh, at, at their, uh, to, to be able to park in certain areas. And we simply have to tell people at times, okay, you can park one on, based on the size of the unit. You can have two. Anything else you do, you're going to find somewhere else to go. Uh, so, um, you know, maybe it's a, a, a you know, permitting issue. I'd, that may be more complicated. I may be ringing up something here we don't want to talk about. But, but again, we're, we need to, be, I think, look at occupancy. If we've got, you know, an eight, eight you know, two-bedroom place and, you know, it's three, eight people's a maximum or ten people's a maximum, you know, that's two, maybe three cars. But we can control it that way. I mean, you can, you can start to say, again, looking at occupancy and use occupancy as the... Uh, the dictator of how many cars you can have. My name is Lynn Tate. I'm a real estate broker here with Keller Williams and have been here for living here for 30 years and have been involved with rental and uh, rental companies and condominium associations and builders and stuff over the years. One thing I caution you about, and I sent a note last time y'all were going to meet and when you tabled this, I have some real concerns about two things on here. First of all, I now have a concern because it says registered short-term rentals, which may not be even the problem that you have. But one parking space per bedroom, you have the situation like the villas is a perfect, she just gave you a perfect example of why a five or six bedroom house shouldn't have to have five or six parking spaces. They, we didn't build them that way. They're not built this way on the island. So to require that, either they would have to go back to only rent four of their six bedrooms because they couldn't have six spaces. I mean, you're, you're opening a huge can of worms doing that, I think. And I also don't think that you need six cars for six bedrooms. But anyway, here's the question I have. It says for all newly registered short-term rentals. Well, so this guy that lives on Mesquite and his next-door neighbor's been renting his house out for years. All of a sudden, the new guy wants to rent his out, and he has to have more parking spaces than the guy next door. There's where the discrimination thing comes in, and I think you're going to cause some real issues with just that one word, newly. I mean, you need to apply these rules to, to everybody or not gang up <laughs> on the ones that have, I mean, it's just not fair. I, I don't know how to say it any better. It's not fair. So anyway, that's my two cents for it. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Lynn. Mm -hmm. Anyone else wants to speak on this item? We'll close <coughs> item B, bring it to us for discussion. Who wants to begin? Dina, go ahead. Yeah, I have a comment in that here in our packet, I can see that there are driveway maximums for length and width. So I just don't see how this would be physically possible without violating the building codes and the other city ordinances. It's just, you know, we can't pave everything in front of a house according to this document. So I just, I don't see that it's physically possible to do to provide five, six, seven parking spaces. Yeah, the, the issue I see here is not really assigning parking spaces, it's overflow. Mm -hmm. well, you know, that's the big dog. Because, you know, if, you're right. If you have. What they, what they do is they fill up the, 
uh, let's say the guy's got four spaces. They fill up the four spaces and they, then they park the rest of them on the street. I'm sorry to say the city never tickets them. Yeah. Or tows them away. Perfect example. Last week there was a house on our street that had four parking spaces in the driveway and they had six vehicles there. Two of them were parked illegally in the right of way. Correct. You know, half on the road, half off, no hurricane sticker. The street is marked, you know, probably permit only. So, you know, this, this is a real issue. And I understand limiting by bedrooms, you've got some cases where, you know, that's really not practical. They, you know, they have a lot more bedrooms than they have the way the house was constructed. And that's going to be a thing. But I think this is one of the issues that falls back, I think, to the property managers. They're going to have, and owners, they're going to have to make sure when they do the rental agreement that these people are informed exactly how many cars are allowed on the property and informing them if street parking is not authorized or legal for... I, I agree with it. And I, I think, you know, otherwise, you know, you can call the police and say you got cars parked illegally on the street and they'll come out and do their thing. But, you know, I don't think we want to go there. I think that should be known up front and if the renter violates it, this is one of these issues where the property manager has to maybe step in and, uh, you know, help us out on this one because I think limiting the space isn't really, it's going to cause probably more issues than it solves, but I think this thing of handling the overflow is where we got to try to address this one because that's the problem. You know, all four cores on their driveway would have four spots. Who cares? Nobody really has a problem with that. Is that when they had the fifth and sixth car that's an issue? The parties. Yeah. I, I think that um, requiring parking based on the number of bedrooms is impractical and pretty much impossible to do. However, I do think that our city council can implement something into the ordinance that addresses the parking problem because it is a problem. Um, and then anything that goes on ordinance, by the way, just a side note, there, there has to be some method of enforcement, but we'll get to that later. Um, but I'm thinking that this problem isn't as difficult as we're trying to make it out to be. And um, just kind of taking away a little bit from the uh, recommendation from BRMA, and I, I hate to steal other people's suggestions, but uh, I'm thinking that there could be something imposed into the ordinance that reads something to the effect of uh, no short-term no short rental or no registered short-term rental shall allow more vehicles that can fit into the paved area inside the property line. Very simple, and you just put it out there like that. We don't allow them. And have the city require that. Right, and have the city require it as part of the ordinance. That, that and yeah, what I was, point I was going to. And so, I do think that the property managers should be, you know, also aware of the fact oh, that overflow parking is an issue, and they should help their clients by telling them where they can park if they bring more cars. Absolutely. Just saying, well, you can park out on the street may be illegal Absolutely. for them to do that. And maybe, you know, have something to help them out with some more public parking, well, which there isn't a lot I, on the I, island I actually, to begin with. I, I don't think that it's the city's responsibility to provide public parking to accommodate short-term rentals. I think it's the short-term rental property owner's responsibility to allow the number of cars that fit on the property they own, my opinion. I agree. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I'll add to this. I agree with what was just said. Uh, I do agree with you, Lynn. I, I, 
I think the word newly registered. I, I think the newly has to. Yeah, I agree. That has to go because she gave a good example. Uh, somebody that bought last year. Right. If they're denied what the guy's getting after the after the city votes, uh, if it's approved, uh, they are kind of burdened. Uh, that's. I don't like the. Uh, <clears throat> I don't like what's good for one. Good, not good for the other. For that, the that's other. why my recommendation is that no registered short-term rental shall allow more vehicles than can fit in the paved area inside the property line. I that like applies that. to everybody. I like that. And it's just whatever the property owner has room for to park. If yeah. they have a, a five-bedroom place and one parking space, they can only allow one car. They're not going to have 20 people in there unless they can jam them into one car. Well, the majority of properties also, you know, we're have the luxury, I guess, we're afforded to uh, with the tandem style parking. Right. So, uh, you know, I don't want to speak of condos, but uh, for instance, a home, a four bedroom home, uh, they're going to have, let's say it's a two car garage. Well, <clears throat> that takes care of two cars. Well, sometimes, sometimes the owners don't run out the garage. They close that for private use. That, that's true. Well, so then you're down to two spots for a four bedroom home. That's kind of the issue. If, if tandem parking allows, you know, it's not our concern how they're jockeying cars around, but <clears throat> something to consider too. There's a lot of these properties that they have people come over till, you know, they'll come over and leave at midnight. They're not, they're not part of the occupancy that's going to be sleeping there. They're, they're guests. Mm -hmm. They come as guests. Uh, and, and that's something that's not for us to deal with. Well, you know, the place on the side road, and they can. You know, the parking, the overflow parking is the overflow parking. That's more of a policing effort right, than right. Sure. anything else. But I do. Did you make the motion? I'll, I'll make the motion I now. Like the motion. I'll, yeah, I'll, I like, I like. I'll go and make the motion that we recommend to the city council that they incorporate into the uh, short-term rental ordinance that no registered short-term rental shall allow more vehicles than can fit on the paved area inside the property line. So we put the burden on the property owners and yes, property sir. managers. Well, we can add paved area to include garaged area. Okay. I'll second it. Okay. A motion, a second. Any, any other discussion? Norma? What if it's not paved? There's some old houses that don't have a paved driveway, right? It's dirt. Okay, we take out the word paved and say inside the property line. Yes, we can take the word paved out and say the, uh, the area inside the property line. A driveway. Yeah. Boundaries of the driveway. Just say driveway. We say, we say inside the boundaries of the driveway in the village. There you go. Inside the boundaries. Or they'll park, them, or they'll park them in the backyard. Completely inside the boundaries of the driveway. We don't want to open it up and let them park all over the yard. It's kind of like a... We say inside the Things like that. Perfect. Okay, hold on. In, completely inside the boundaries of the driveway or garage. Okay. That's ours too, yeah. Ours is in garage and that helps. Did you get that? Yes. That amendment? Okay, you're going to make me say it again, aren't you? <laughs> All right. Um, that no registered short-term rental shall allow more vehicles than can fit on the area or this correction, that can fit uh, completely inside. See, now I got all messed up. I don't know what I said. 
Start again, Joe. Okay, let me let me do say this again. I've read it too many times. I'm gonna say something about that. Okay. Randy's got a comment. Come on, Randy. What do you got to say? Okay. A couple of things. Uh, one is just to clarify. Just it may be your intentions. I'm not telling you. I'm not trying to guide you. The way I'm just remind you. A minute ago, you took out the word rest or short-term rentals. Are you going to keep that going with this one? Because that's how you started this one, short-term rentals. Is it going to be any rentals or short or registered short-term rentals? Um, I believe we left it in because that's the way it was on the agenda. And Well, I think the motion before you took out, did you leave it in also with the one before, or did you take we, it out? I thought we left it in. Okay. Uh, okay. The second thing is, is that um, I just want to mention that I think one of the city's um, thoughts, patterns was – I, and I understand what Lynn takes getting at, and I understand that fixing one thing causes another one. And so the, the issue I'm talking about is where you're saying newly registered. But just remember that um, when cities enact new rules, laws, and ordinances, people become grandfathered because they've already been doing certain things. So we also have the caveat where if we didn't uh, go that route, it would be somebody that's been doing it as a living already saying, well, now you're coming back changing what I've been doing already. So that's kind of hard for us to do. So I think that's the reason. Uh, the way you're going at it, where you're changing it all together, takes that off the, the table anyways. But I just wanted you to know what I think our position at the city was more about we go with the idea when new things come aboard, old things become grandfathered. So that's what we were thinking. And then I'd like to mention the street parking real quick. Um, so if that if a couple of weeks ago you saw a car maybe parked on the street illegally, I don't I would propose that's probably not illegal because the enforcement of the side street parking near the beaches on the on the east side is from March first till August whatever. So it's we're not in March, so it'd be legal right now. So you have half the year that it's uh, okay for anybody to park on those side streets. If you read that sign, it's it's got a time frame date. And then the other thing is, is that a lot of these houses, particularly the rentals, do come get the green parking slips. And I, I forget how many the PD allows them, but they've been getting two or three for each house. So they take them back, they're laminated, you know, they put them in the windshield. So they got four in the driveway and two on the street. And so... I don't know how you're controlling that, but so I, I kind of like where you're going with what fits within your your footprint of your driveway or whatever. But I just wanted to uh, clarify a few things for you any further on what was said when when people can park on the street legally and not. Just remember, there's certain times of the year anybody can park on the street there. Help any? <laughs> Confuse <No>. it more. <laughs> All the signs have that on there. Right. They have they have the sign. They the ones, have a, ones on our street just say no parking without permit. Well, I, we're, I'm talking about the east side. Okay, well, I'm talking about okay. the west side. The east side, that's where most of the problems are. Yeah, west side just did no parking, and that was to take care of bay ending issues. And on the east side, where people are going yeah. to the beach and you get all the random stuff, those those are time dated. Those are those are dated. At, um, like I said, it's it starts around spring break and ends at the end of summer, and then it's open to the public after that. As it stands, that could change someday, but that's how it is now. Okay, thank you, Randy. You add something about the less permitted? No, no. no. Okay, uh, let me go through this again real quick. Okay, complete the inside. 
the property line of the driveway and everything. Okay, I think we're better. I think we've got a revised. I don't know if I got this right or not, but I'll try it. Okay, so the motion again would be that we recommend, the motion again would be to recommend to the city council that they incorporate within the uh, uh, short-term rental ordinance that no registered short-term rental shall allow more vehicles than can fit in the area completely inside the property line of the driveway or garage. That sounds good. That sounds good. Agree with that. Pardon? Agree with that. Do you hold your hold your motion for a second? Oh. <clears throat> I mean, that's as, that's that's about as plain plain of a uh, a motion. I mean, that that's that's self-explanatory to everybody. I mean, if you if, there's no way you can skirt that issue. So is that a second? I'll, I'm going to second that. I am going to second that. Yeah. Okay, a motion, a second. All in favor, raise your hand. Aye. Any opposed? No. Okay. Moving right along. Moving down to item C. This is to possibly require a sign to be placed outside of each short-term rental unit <clears throat> that has the permit number, maximum occupancy limits, and the manager's contact information. Who wants to start this off? Hi, um, Eva Jean Dalton. And again, I'm speaking as a real estate professional and a property owner. Um, in taking listings, we have, I've had property owners say they don't want a sign in their property. They just don't want it because they don't want people knowing it's for sale because maybe of theft or burglars or you get people coming and looking in the windows. So I can see it even extra extra threat to short-term rentals because they're not occupied 100% of the time. And so it's just gonna be a sign for people that are wanting to do bad things to say, well, I'll come stake this place out because I know it's not rented all the time. So I would really oppose, because you're taking away a private property right. If they don't want a sign in their yard, they shouldn't have to have a sign in their yard. Okay, thank you. Elena Jones again. Um, the short-term vacation rental ordinance required that you register your property, that you have a 24-7 contact, and it also provided for all of that information to be available on the city's website. And there is a, we mentioned in our letter, there's a great toolbox on the city's website. If you go to the hot tax section and you go to the short-term registration section, you can actually go to any property on this island that is registered. You can find out who their 24-7 contact is without having to have that sign in the yard. And I agree with Ava Jean, we've got owners who don't want signs because their properties are also their second vacation homes. They come here and they stay. They also don't want people to know that it's, it's well known what our seasonality is, that that property may be vacant at certain times of the years from a safety standpoint. But um, again, I hope that everyone will look at the ordinance that's in place and see what great stuff is there. Also, with respect to the previous issues, there is actually a suggested vacation rental agreement for anyone to use who rents their property with their vacation guests. And it was written by the group that helped write the vacation rental ordinance. Randy had great input to it as our police chief at the time. 
to tell us what we needed in there that would allow the police to go in without a warrant as long as they have that 24-7 contact there. That agreement, there's some excerpts that we included in our letter to you, but it deals with parking. It deals with parties. It deals with all of that. And what we do as professional managers is we have the right to evict without benefit of refund, and we do it. And so again, rather than throwing the baby out with the bathwater, if we can look at those ordinances and encourage our council to enforce the ordinances that are in place. Again, we're not in objection to bringing professional, professional management, whether it's by an individual or by a professional manager. It makes us all better on this island. It makes a better place for people to come and visit. Thank you. Again, Barbara Hayes in the villas. <clears throat> um, I understand. I'm going to kind of read this, and I apologize because it's kind of long. But I did write it. I understand the intent of requiring the sign outside of each rental property. And when there's a problem, the city wants that first phone call not made to the police. They want the neighbor that has a problem with the rental property to make that first phone call to the rental manager. I mean, I know we need to keep all that at the forefront of our minds. I was at the meetings. That was the intention. Let's get the first phone call to Tom Goodman, not to Chief Claudina, and, say, and so that he has the chance to deal with it and solve it before the police ever get involved, because then you're looking at, and at 30 minutes to an hour before he ever gets a phone call. <clears throat> so that's the intent, and I understand the intent of it. And I also agree, rental managers have the most authority to quickly resolve a rental issue. They're quick at resolving it, and the eviction is a great tool to resolve any rental problem. In standalone rental properties, which is ones on the side streets, most of the ones we're talking about, but not all of them, Randy, some of these in B2 are property owners associations. Some are gated, some might not be. They're property owners associations. But in standalone um, properties where they're not governed by and they're not inside a property owner association's domains, neighbors have little recourse but to call the police. They have no other recourse. So it, they do need to know who to make that first phone call to. And so on those standalone properties, a sign is a very viable solution. And there are signs out there now. You drive up and down Gulf Boulevard, you will see. You will see a fur, fur cron. You will see a, a coastal lifestyles. You will see a, see a Padre Allen Rentals. And I don't know that I see your signs. You will see a South SPI Rentals. They're there. Those signs are there now. Okay, I am the president of the Villas Homeowners Association. We're a gated community with 24-hour on-site security. So again, no people, no cars get in our community. But we are a community of homes. We fall under the zone B, standalone or standalone attached homes. We fall under what is being discussed here today. We have 15 rental properties. And we're a homeowners association. I can tell you the owners of all 15 properties, their addresses, and I can tell you the rental manager for each and every one of those properties. So we know. We know in our, in our subdivision, we know which homes are rented, we know who they're rented, who rents them, who to call. We already have a system in place that works and works well where that first phone call is made to the rental property manager. 
We don't want our owners calling the rental property managers. We don't want them inundated with four or five calls. We want them to get one phone call that there is a problem and one phone call only to get quick resolution. Typically, we and we have on-site security, so we call security first. Our security typically can resolve a rental issue. If they can't, they make that first phone call to the rental property manager. And almost every time, that issue is resolved by the rental property manager within 15 minutes. Almost completely, almost every single time. So getting them involved first is the key to minimizing problems at properties. If the police have to be called, we want our security staff to make that phone call to the police. Because again, we don't want three or four or five people calling the police and they suddenly get three and four and five phone calls. We want one phone call and they're very quick to respond when we call. I will tell you in the past three years, and Tom Goodman has alluded to this too, in the past three years, we have had one phone call to the police for a rental property. And we had, the rent, we had our security and the rental property manager could not resolve the issue and the police had to be called. Now we have had multiple police calls to the villas. Multiple police calls to repeat offender properties. Each of those properties are owner properties, they are not rental, and the issues are caused by owners and owner's guests, and it has taken the police to shut them down each and every time. That's a, and that's been said before, more of the issue is probably not the rentals, not particularly not those managed by local rental property managers. Our one police call was managed by a Colorado firm, the 24-7 number rang in her bedroom, in her house in Colorado was unable to be resolved because they violated the city ordinance right there by not being able to, <clears throat> to get there. We are also a deed-restricted community. We have recorded governing documents, our covenants, conditions, and restrictions that we strictly enforce. And these restrictions prohibit signs, all signs except for a single for sale sign on a property that is on the, on the retail market. I am not saying that the city cannot adopt a rental manager yard sign policy because it violates our deed restrictions. And if the city does implement a blanket rental yard sign, then we will have to amend our governing documents to comply with local ordinances. Instead, I'm asking that when you discuss this proposed ordinance, you take into consideration an exemption from requiring any rental management yard sign in those subdivisions or properties that have 24-7 on-site management or security and already have a working system in place that involves contacting rental management companies to solve the rental issue. And why am I asking for that exemption? Our, like I said, our deed restriction prohibits signs. There's a reason our governing documents prohibit these signs. It's to maintain, did not detract from the value of the neighborhood, and not to clutter very small yards. <clears throat> While advertisement is not the explicit purpose of these rental management signs, it is, in fact, a form of advertisement for the rental management company and for the people that are renting their home. And it advertises and owners income-producing business because, yes, 
rental properties generate income for the owner. So now tell me how, if this sign is, an ordinance is adopted across the board without exemptions, how can I, as the HOA president, allow one form of income yard sign advertisement, but then restrict others? How do I tell our bay fishing guide, we're so, I'm sorry, you can't put a sign in your yard advertising your rental, your income generating business. Tell the lady that sells Tupperware, you can't put an I sell Tupperware sign in your yard. I can't tell the photographer whose business is family pictures, does a lot of business with family pictures in the summer with all the vacationing people. I'm sorry, you can't advertise your business. But by golly, these 15 homes can advertise theirs. So I, I want you <clears throat> to take that into consideration. Any place, we have a system in place for quick resolution of rental issues, and the system works. And it works very well, and it doesn't involve the police. As do other neighborhoods that have some type of round-the-clock security or run some type of on-site round-the-clock property management. And they're just as concerned about the potential ramifications to amend a signed deed restriction when the reason for the rental management sign is absolutely not being an issue for specific property owners associations. And I'm not being petty. I am trying to avoid any potential legal outfall from segregating income-producing business yard signs. And there would be legal outfall from that. So that is, that is my, my ask request, is that you consider those areas such as ours that already have the system in place, the restrictions in place, the enforcement in place that works and works very well to be take that into consideration <coughs> with your policy. Okay. And one final note, for those standalone homes that don't have protections from HOAs, putting a sign in the yard is not the whole solution. It's not any guarantee. The rental companies need to educate the next door neighbor, the across the street neighbor, and the backyard neighbor why that sign is there and to call the number on that sign first. If you don't educate the neighbors, you are just mandating free advertisement, and you are not solving the, the problem of calling the police first at all. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Lynn Maurer again. I live here, and I also own and manage my own property. I do not use a property manager. Um, just make it brief um, on this item. I am not in favor of putting a sign outside my properties saying that I this property is a rental. Please break into my house because nobody's there. So that's the way I feel about it. Thank you. Tom Goodman again. Kind of hate standing up here again. You guys have been listening really well. <laughs> um, who would the sign be for becomes the first thing in my mind. I mean, what's really the purpose? Who's, who, what are we trying to do there? What we're trying to do, in my mind, is we're trying to give the neighbors or any persons there the ability to say, who do I call, who do I talk to? Well, we can do that electronically. Uh, and we have had on the list, have, have had on the past, uh, good access on the city website in order to find out what it is. So if you have a good searchable database that 
owners can go to or that guests can go to or anybody can go to that says, you know, we can do that. You solve the problem that way without having to put up a sign. But, but yes, the first thing, of course, that you want on that list, which is required when we register a property, is who's the 24-hour contact. Call me. Happy to have. I got a, I've been running a 24-hour desk for decades for that purpose alone. Well, not for that purpose alone, but just because people have problems and we want to be able to answer them. So, yeah, we'll deal with them. But if you, as a, as a community, want to know how, how to get hold of that person, you don't have to put a sign in the yard. Go to the right electronic source for it. Thank you, Tom. Anybody else? Hearing none, let's close item C, bring it to discussion. Who wants to kick this off? Well, I, oh, well, I kind of do it all. I'll, I'll start. As a, as a neighbor of one that just became a short-term rental, you know, I mean, there was a time when I saw there was a lot more cars than I think should have been there. Um, now, that owner, when he bought that house, he came door-to-door -door and told us neighbors, like, hey, I'm so, I think Joe Rico is one of our neighbors. No, you probably weren't home. But he came and introduced himself and said he was going to rent, and he was going to manage, and he gave me his contact information. So I think um, I'm, I'm a little, I'm on the fence about the sign, too. But, um, and I don't know that if, I, if there are too many people or there's too much noise, if I, I might, but I don't know that I'm going to, log into my computer and let's see who I can call to complain or to alert somebody. Um, maybe a better way is to educate the neighbors, maybe say, hey, so get something in the mail. I know that might sound old-fashioned, but you're, you, this is your neighbor uh, or the you know people around the neighborhood, whatever, um, just became this house is a short-term rental now and here's the number you need to call in case there's a problem. I think. I don't know how many people are prepared to go and go through the registry and look for a number to call. The first number that you think to call is the police. Well, I kind of agree with what you're saying there because uh, this is one of these aspects where the city is looking at trying to get, you know, some quality of life for the homeowners there. And if somebody sees an issue, I think it is better to contact the project manager versus the police. Give them a shot at resolving it. Then if they can't, then your next step is to call the police. And the question here now is, by putting a sign in the yard, you give that contact information up front visible to everybody. I agree with you. How many people are going to go home and look in their computer trying to find out who that person is? And, you know, that, you know while it is doable, it's pretty inconvenient. Most people will probably pass on that. Spectrum is almost always not always reliable, yeah. you know. So. Yeah, you can't count on Spectrum at all. And uh, some people are not that good at looking at the city website. It is somewhat not real user-friendly at times. And uh, so I can understand both avenues here. As far as addressing the privacy issue, I'm not so sure about that. Once you put your house in the rental pool, I don't know if you surrender some of that or not. That's another question for another time. But uh, I, I do think that the sign does would help the property managers probably more than anybody because they would get, you know, somebody could be walking their dog and see a problem and see there's the number and call it and report it and move on. But 
you know, is that same person going to wait till they get home and get on the internet and find out, then call? And so I see both avenues, and I'm I hate to see more signs sitting in yards, but like the point was brought up, there's a lot of signs in yards for property rentals. So, you know, is so this is a difficult one. I think this is probably the most difficult one we got right now today. Well, in, in okay. In uh, considering everything that we're discussing today, um, I did a little research on what uh, other cities have for their short-term rental ordinances. Um, I looked at several cities, not just in Texas, I included uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina, and there's a few of them that require a sign, but not necessarily a yard sign. Um, I think it was both uh, Port Aransas and Hilton Head, South Carolina require a sign but they allow it to be placed near the front door. So it's not necessarily out in public view. The neighbors know there's a sign. Anybody that lives on the island know that, you know, the uh, short-term rentals have to have a sign by the front door. Um, I think that might be a bit of a solution where that information is still available hmm. to the residents, where they can find out who to contact without doing it electronically, because, you know, let's face it, not everybody's the, uh, you know, can get on a computer, you know, not everybody's tech savvy. <laughs> um, I think that might kind of solve that issue a little bit. And also the clutter issue was brought up. If it takes the sign necessarily from the street, puts it by the front door, not necessarily in plain view, but accessible to any of the neighbors that want to go find that information easily. Um, so I would Yeah, I think once people that. realize that that information is available somewhere on the property that you know, things. So I think that's a good idea. I do think having that information easily accessible by the neighbors is, is important. And that gives the property owners the chance because most people are going to call the police first. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think that <clears throat> will continue. I think that's just, that's people's mentality. That's the way they think. Yeah. Uh, the, as far as signage <clears throat> and what we're what we're talking about putting on the sign. I just don't think it's necessary that we have the, the maximum occupancy limits. I completely disagree. Like, I disagree, well, and I'll tell you why. Well, if I think if we do that, we're going to have the neighbors, the citizens. We're, we're going to have, they're going to be like trying to police this themselves. They're, they're going to say, we, you know, I, I'm guessing you have three bedrooms, but look at all the people, you know. I think it'll work the opposite in that it's if, just, if you have a neighbor down the street and you notice that there's, you know, you know that it's a, a two or three bedroom house and they've got 50 people, you can go check the sign and see what the occupancy is. And I've had situations on my street where I live where I know my neighbors, I know the people that rent their homes, I know them personally. And I've had to call them and say, did you know you have, you know, my, my wife looks at everything, so she's counted 37 people in your house that's supposed to have six? And so they'll call and get rid of them. I think it's a good thing to know what the maximum occupancy is or yeah. have that information easily. I agree with you, Joe. I think that's an important part of this also. And these, these signs could more or less just turn into an advertisement <clears throat> simply just by saying, here's who to call if, you, if you're looking for a house that sleeps eight people. Or advertise anyway. Four bedrooms. You know. But you got to look at the intent of the sign. You know, advertising, you know, a lot of them already have that. I see quite a few of those. The point here is to make it easy for the neighbors to voice their concerns yeah. and potentially solve a, an issue that could require the police, but maybe could be solved 
by the property manager making a phone call and saying, hey, you guys got to cut it out. And that's as far as it has to go. Mr. Garlo, I, I got in most of my properties a sign that says for emergency call and in my number. No name, that's it. And it works. Besides, I, I have done was, uh, what Ms. Turkington uh, suggested. I met every neighbor of mine. I introduced myself. I gave them my business card. And luckily, I haven't received too many calls over the years, but I have received some calls that I really appreciate because there was an issue on the property, there was a, a leak, or there were, there were too many people gathering. But uh, I only put for emergency call this number. That's it. So my name is kept out of, the, of this uh, loop, and I don't get all these uh, cold calls trying to buy my property or trying to do something with my property that I get every day anyway, right? So this is going to just make it more often that I get those calls. So privacy is important. Well, you know, this is all also an issue where I, I had an instance where a, a home was a short-term rental that I was walking the dog and saw the door, front door was open. For 24 hours, it was still the same spot. So, you know, I wanted to call somebody and I didn't know who to call. And so I called the police. Correct, but if it says emergency, call this number, that's really all you need. I see what you're saying, but I think it is important to have access to the, if we're going to rent these properties, we've got to let the public have access to the people who were in charge. And rather than bring in the police every time. You can go on the phone right now and look up Airbnb and see a bunch of properties on the island that will hold 12 people. And, and, you know, these, you know, it's just the island. I mean, we're full of signage, you know, whether it's lollipops or wall signs, yard signs. It doesn't matter. We've got, we're just, we're overloaded with signage. Too much information. And you had a good point. I mean, this... I would totally agree with this in the sense if we could have this information, given your even your occupancy on there, uh, as long as it could be somewhat out of sight. Right. Keep it by the if it have be, the option to have it near the front door. Right. Or even, you know Well it, as long as it's accessible. Right. Right, right. Without, you know, having to go to extremes to get the information. But uh, it's just uh, if it could just be Try to conceal it somehow would be my concern. Conceal it, but have it accessible. Have it conceal it. But have I it. mean, just uh, have it not inside the unit. Let's yeah, somebody up here. That Wally, go ahead. Thing. Thank you. Wally Jones, Pottery Getaways. You know, when you're talking about maximum occupancy, we're talking about the number of people that spend the night there. So if you have a place that has a maximum occupancy of eight, let's say, <laughs> a private home with a pool, they might have 10, 12 people over in the middle of the day for a pool party, but, you know, you, so when you see a sign that says maximum occupancy of eight, and there's 20 over there all together during the middle of the day, just remember that max occupancy only requires to people, only adheres to people that are spending the night there. Of course. Mm -hmm. but, in, but in a case like that, it'd just be a phone call to the property manager and at least make him aware. I, I doubt you'd get a phone call because someone's having a pool party and they have got extra people. It's when people are there <clears throat> that consistently, is that are, that's when you're gonna get the call. I was going to ask Randy, but he's not here. Could there be an opt-out in this for those that, like HOAs or gated communities, that 
already have a different system in place. Or we already have, I mean, we don't allow signs in our, I can see a, a can of worms if I have to allow a rental property sign. So I'm going to have to allow everybody in our subdivision to put up well, a sign. Well, one, in your case, it, it almost doesn't make sense. Yeah, so, really so if, if you, you could just. You don't need to advertise or you don't need to, yeah. to have this posted. Yeah. You're a, you're a so it, just in considering that, it, some type of an opt-out or, I don't know, or ask maybe. Yeah, that that yeah. was something that the city council, I think, would have to address. Or you could say, you could say and have the city council address that. I know Eva but, is, I think, still here. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's not that, uh, it's not that. You know, if this were to be implemented, yeah. it's not that you're allowing advertisement, it's that the city then requires notification for neighbors. Right. So, you know, it would be difficult for somebody to say, and I'm a lawyer, but it would be difficult for somebody to say, you're allowing me to advertise. No, you're I not. understand, but, but I have seen lawsuits. We would lose, in a court of law, we would lose that. We would yeah. lose that lawsuit. I guarantee you, we would lose it because yeah. it's in, because it's income generating business for the renter. But we haven't discussed the type of sign, like the man said, he, he it's just his, it well, says for yeah. emergencies, call. But, so there's, there is no name but, of. But for those, I just would, uh, now I guess I will address that with the city council about a gated community that's already got 24 hour security and yeah. a system in place right. and opt out. That's what I was looking and for. That's, that's a good possibility. For and those again, that already have a system in place right. that work. And, and the zones that we're talking about? I'm in that zone. You are. But I am in that zone. the majority of the city that are in that zone yeah. aren't gated Yeah, communities. in fact, yeah, there's, I think, a few in that zone that right. fall under the same right. as we do. Okay, thank you. Tom Goodman, again. Uh, I'm with you on the signs. So we have enough signs everywhere right now. And here's the tech guy again speaking, but QR codes. Put a QR code on a window. It'll give you all the information you want about that particular property. You can include rentals. You can include all kinds of different things. And I mean, enough of us have been to restaurants these days where the only time you get a menu is on a QR code. So I think most everybody knows how to use that. Just a suggestion. Not a bad idea. That's a good idea. Yeah, actually a good idea. And I do think if we propose this, I think we ought to ask the city hall. This sets kind of a standard format for this. If you especially if you want to put one like on the front door or the garage door or whatever the case may be, is that, that we have a kind of a standardized size and format. I'm not sure what that would be. Probably the city would be better to determine what that would be than us. Yeah. So I think I'm going to make a motion that we go with the sign, but I like your suggestion of putting it closer to the front door of the garage and not really terribly visible from the street but also accessible. It's got to be accessible. Okay. And then what information is going to be on it? Just just a phone number and for emergency? I, I think what we have here is good. Yeah. Permit number, <clears throat> maximum occupancy, and a uh, contact, contact information. Contact number for management. Yeah. Okay. My motion. Real quick, because this might apply to somebody that, that manages, has a big company and manages a lot of properties. That might you might need to do something like that, but if you're going to private places that you know the homeowners living right there or having a place very close by, somebody's gonna get shot. You know, coming up to your not me, I don't have a gun, but you know, going up to somebody's place like that and going up that close to their residence. A lot of us have cameras these days, and we keep an eye on our property. Taken. 
If the home's vacant, uh, not going to be there. Well, it's like anybody coming up the door, the UPS guy or something. You know, you want to put it at a place where it's not, you know, infrequently traveled <laughs> type of thing. So if I understand your motion correctly, it was to recommend to the city council to possibly require an accessible sign. Require the sign in an accessible spot. Either outside or near the front door. Front door, garage, wherever is accessible that people can easily walk up and visit, you know, take a picture of it or whatever they need to do. Okay. And uh, that the city also try to establish guidelines for size and format of the information. And we want all the information, the permit number, the maximum occupancy, and yeah. the contact. Okay, the items issue in the money. I'll second that. I need to hear the motion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the motion is that we authorize the city to, or recommend to the city to put up a sign with the information that's Permit number, maximum occupancy, and management's contact information. And that the sign be placed in an accessible area, either close to the front door or garage door or somewhere that's easily accessible to the public. And the city also establish a size and format requirements for this sign. Have a motion on that. I would like to add to that, uh, like Tom had said, uh, I think that's a great idea. A QR code. A QR code uh, I don't have I'm not a oh, putting guy. in the barcode. I don't know what the distance. Uh, I mean, do you have to be a right up on it to yeah. read it? Unless you make it really big. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I, anyway, that's a good idea. Want to include well, that in the I'll, I'll modify the motion then to include that if that technology is possible, that we include the barcode scan onto the sign. If it's practical. QR code. Okay. That's a, that's a motion on that. Uh, anybody else? No? Okay. Do I have a second on that motion? I'll go ahead and second it. There's nobody wants okay. to. Okay. Second that. All in favor, raise your hand. Aye. 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 Our recommendation carries. Let's move to D. Same thing, basically. But we're this time we're going to uh, possibly require a sign inside each unit, <coughs> each short-term rental unit that has the permit number, occupancy listed, the noise ordinance restrictions parking restrictions, max number of cars per permit, and any other restrictions that may be useful. Wally Jones, Potter Getaways again. Question becomes, how are you going to enforce that? What are you going to do, knock on the door and go inside and do inspections? Maybe. I think it's pretty hard to enforce. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Anybody else? <coughs> I just see that. I would simply say, Tom Goodman, I would simply say that I'm not doing my job as a, as a property manager if they get there and read those rules at that particular point. I got to let them know well ahead of time before they come that that's the case, which is part of the reason for the, uh, the ordinance that was originally written with the, with the rules and everything that are, would include that kind of stuff. So uh, I, I don't know how you codify any of that information, but that becomes just my responsibility as a property manager to, to keep people away who can't rent that property. 
Jones again. Perhaps as an alternative to this, you recommend to the council that they encourage anyone who is renting their property to utilize the sample form of the guest agreement that has real teeth in it that is posted on the city's website. It's there for them to use. And there's some excerpts in the letter that we provided, the council has it, you have it, that literally are out of that. And they talk about the things you can't do. And Wally talked about occupancy, and I want to clarify, our rules with our guests are our occupancy limits are day or night. They are not allowed to have guests over for a party. So if the occupancy of that house is 8, 10, or 12, they can't ever have 24 there. And we will evict without benefit or refund. And so I really think the problems are more the properties that are not professionally managed or even managed by someone. We've heard someone speak today who is here locally. She's watching her property. She's managing her property. So perhaps an alternative is to recommend that they encourage the use of that, make it really readily available, go back again like we did five years ago, whenever it was, and get that information out to the public and out to those who rent so that they know that toolbox is there and available. A lot of work went into it, and it's still relevant today. Eva Jean Dalton, a real estate professional and property owner. Um, I mean, I think anybody wants to put a sign in, inside their property, but I just want to make a statement. The goal, I thought, was to try and get all those short-term rentals that aren't registered to register. And I'm sorry, in my opinion, everything that you're suggesting today is going to keep all of them from registering. Nobody else? Nobody else? Okay, we'll close item D. We'll discuss that. My uh, opinion on that is, uh, one, it's not enforceable. <clears throat> uh, you can't enforce, uh, you know, you can't require, I, how do I say this? Uh, who's it benefit? I think the uh, this information should be uh, put in the rental agreement. It should be made at the time of reservation. It should, it should be. I, mean, I kind of think this item is really between the manager, person answering the phone, who's ever taken the reservations. I think that's where it, th this kind of lies. I mean, I'm in. You know, I, I'm in in and out of condos and homes all the time, and there's a lot of them that have the information. They've got Wi-Fi numbers. They've got all this kind of you know information for the uh, renter, and that's great. I don't think that anybody. It's, there's no burden on an owner to post a sign inside their unit. Uh, I think a lot of them already have this information. Uh, I just I, I just don't see it, how it could be enforced. Yeah, I agree, it's gonna be a hard one to enforce. Yeah. But I kind of look at it as something like you see in most motel rooms and hotel rooms, sure. that the first thing they have on there is a fire evacuation route. Checkout time, yeah. And, you know, because you wake up in a strange home, you know, it's nice to know what are proper exits. And so I was thinking maybe and some of the information that is static, that doesn't change, would be good to have on the inside of the front door, just for not everybody sees in the family will see the rental contract or be talking to the management person. They will, you know, just be part of the family. And this, at least they could get 
see some of this information. So, so I do see a benefit in having that. It shouldn't be a requirement. I, I think it should just be encouraged to, to, um, to have such signage. Other cities require that, and there's other cities that also have means to enforce all of their, their parts of their ordinance. Um, having said that, I'm, I'm not so sure that a sign is necessarily necessary. Um, perhaps the city can just require, at, at the minimum, require a verifiable notification to each renter um, of the, the permit number, maximum occupancy limits, the manager's contact, et cetera, but require that notification be made, and if the property owner wants to put a sign inside their their place, they can do it. If they want to have it in their rental agreement, they can do it. Um, but it has to be some kind of just thinking out loud a verifiable um, notification to everybody that rents. And you would call that a uh, a requirement. Anybody got anything to say about it? You know, it could be like. Well, I personally like, like the sign. I, I I think it does have a lot of value to the people that are in the house, not necessarily the renting person who actually completes the rental agreement, but it does have that information available. Everybody, like, you know, who's the management contact phone number? I mean, one person may know that in in the family that's renting the thing. The rest of them don't. At least they would have one place to go to to right. get that information. Do you think it has to be a sign, or could it be a, uh, um, a three-ring binder that has all that information in it? Well, that has a tendency to get lost. Okay, you so know. you think it should be a sign affixed to the... You know, it could be a sleeve on the door where they put the paper in and take it out when they're not needing it. You know, it could right. be I things, but, you know, I, I do think the sign on the inside of the front door would have a benefit. Okay. So I'm well, going to... Uh, huh? that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I'm okay with the sign. I don't, you know, you could put all the information on that sign. It's inside your unit. Uh, but the, the, when we say we're going to require this, well, we can't enforce it. Yeah, we can. Yeah. 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 You know, we, it, it can't be enforced. I think it should just be, uh, uh, you know, this should fall back to the property, to the owners, the managers, uh, you know, to make this, make this information known at time of check-in or at reservation. We talk about uh, enforcement and say that things things can't be enforced. And again, I did a little research looking at the ordinances of other cities, and there some of them do have um, enforcement provisions, uh, that, which I was going to talk about under item E, but I just wanted to kind of bring it up now. Um, some of them require that properties be, be made available for inspection by the city uh, at least once every, one of them was 24 months, another one was 12 months. Um, unless immediate inspection is required to address specific concern or suspected violation. So if you require short-term rentals to allow city inspection, there's your enforcement opportunity. But we can talk about that later. Yeah, that goes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I am not sure about the enforcement, but I don't think that should sway us from saying it's a requirement. Well, I mean, I... 
honestly, I, I just, this particular item, I, I would make the motion just that we, we don't even recommend, uh, send recommendation. I mean, we don't, we don't. I'd second that. We're, we're not, we're not here and, and being held to, we have to do this. Uh, put it back on them. Let them come up with this. Uh, I, I don't. I just don't see what a motion would be. It's an in. It's an unenforceable sign inside private property. And I mean, your ideal. Okay, what other cities do? I don't know how it's going to go down here. I don't know how that would work. Well, the city would have to figure out a way to enforce it. Give me a motion. Either throw a motion out there. Well, you've got one on the floor. It's been seconded. Go ahead. Owen. What problem does this solve? And if we're not enforcing our existing noise ordinances in these properties, we're not enforcing our existing trash ordinances, we are certainly not enforcing the short-term registration ordinance. And it's not just a registration ordinance. It's an ordinance that requires certain things. And it requires certain things of people who rent. It requires that any place they advertise, that registration number be there. If they put up a sign in Blue Marlin, that registration number needs to be there on Facebook that allows you to get back and find out if the property's registered and if they're complying with the ordinance. And if someone wants to know who's renting, they can find it. But what problem does putting a sign inside the property solve? What you need to do is have properties be professionally managed, whether that is professionally managed by a manager or the owner and utilize an agreement that has strength and enforcement with the guests so that you find those guests. And by the way, the short-term rental ordinance on South Pottery Island has significant fines associated with it. There, to my knowledge, has never been a fine, not for any of the violations under the ordinance that we're talking about today. And we can't get to where these problems are coming from. <clears throat> are they coming from houses that are not being managed by someone who lives here or someone who has boots on the ground, as we say? That was the purpose of the ordinance, is to make sure every property rented on this island had boots on the ground that was available 24-7. Tom has a 24-7 desk. 16 years later, Wally and I still sleep with a 24-7 phone. You know, it, it seems to me that the purpose for item D was to ensure that renters are aware of no noise ordinances, parking restrictions, uh, number of cars, and whatever other restrictions. They, they have to be aware of that. Now, can it be codified within the ordinance to make sure that, that everybody that rents is aware of those things? I think it can, and it should be. So I think we need to make a, rec a recommendation to the city council to one way or another, if you guys want to do a sign, that's fine. But one way or another, we need to recommend to the city council that part of the ordinance requires whoever does short-term rentals advises the uh, renters of all of those issues. Okay, okay and then which, okay. Back. Okay, welcome back. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, just to kind of summarize here, where we're making vacation rental experts out of you guys, which probably don't really want the job. And, and that's, uh, that's, that's too bad here. On, on the issue of individuals in homes and understanding what the rules and policies are, our, we, start by, we start by saying, okay, 
everybody, you, Mr. Person who rented this, these are the rules, sign here. So that person who's responsible, we tell them, you're responsible for everybody in your party. So that becomes part of what any of us are doing here is to, is to let them know that. Let me tell you some about some of the other things that are happening. Uh, noise aware, noise awareness. I just ordered some new devices, which we'll plug into some of our units, which will alert us when things begin, uh, get, a, get above a certain volume. I mean, that's technology, again, that, that continues to happen. Also, uh, you know, we're, putting, we're looking at putting in Wi-Fi. I hate to say this, but this gets a little picky. Anybody who, who wants to use the Wi-Fi has to sign in, and guess what? We collect that information, which means we can then turn around and communicate to them and say, okay, you make sure you know and understand this. So we're doing a lot of things already in the business to try to circumvent these problems that you're, that you're talking about here. And so, I mean, I'm happy to, as I said at the beginning, I'm happy to continue to work with you on a lot of these issues, but understand that we want to solve these problems as much as you do. Thank you. I wish everybody did the things you're doing with their wells. <laughs> okay, do you have a motion on the floor or not? I don't. Oh, you don't? Well, I make a motion that we recommend to the city council that we strongly suggest that the property managers provide this information on inside the front door or somewhere convenient for the residents. The first motion needs to be withdrawn. There was a was first yours. and a second. That was yours. Oh, motion that the city council highly recommend to the owners and property managers to include this information on the inside of the unit. We had a motion here, though, that has to be withdrawn, didn't we? He said he didn't to have withdraw a motion. your motion. Yeah, yeah. and I'm going to withdraw. I withdraw. Yeah, okay. I withdraw that. And with your motion being said, I will second your motion. And uh, it was well worded. It, uh, it's not a, you know, you didn't so much say require, require, require. It's just. It's, it's, Highly it's, recommend. Okay. The city can require if they want. Okay. Anybody else on this? We got a motion and a second. Let's <clears throat> All in favor, aye. 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 None opposed. Howard? Yep. Opposed. <laughs> Howard? Okay, this is item E. This is uh, to possibly recommend any other changes to the City Council regarding <clears throat> Article 7 short term rental ordinances that may be related. Anybody want to? Bring any bring anything up? Discuss anything? Or somebody coming up? My name is Lynn Maurer. Speaking as a private citizen and living here and noticing there's a lot of houses out here, they may have you know, um, limits to how many people can stay there, but it's not happening. Or they have, they'll have four bedrooms and they'll have four people to each bedroom and then four more in the family room and suddenly you're looking, you know, at a lot of people staying in a four bedroom house with maybe two or three bathrooms. Um, and I know this wouldn't probably fly for a lot of people out here because they make a lot of money doing that by, by putting too many people into a house where a house, this island's just not built for that. And we can actually make more money if people would just maybe rent another house 
and they can have two houses. And uh, that would probably solve that problem. But I'd like to see, and I don't know where to start with this. I just thought I'd mention it here because I'm not really, you know, that savvy about these things. But um, some kind of limit occupancy before you fall asleep, Howard. <laughs> you look tired. I'd like to see some kind of limits, occupational uh, occupancy limits. So I don't know who you start with on that. If that would be you all or if it would be the city. But that's just speaking as a private citizen, because I see it all the time in the people around me. And I'm wondering, like, why are you putting so many people in your place? Your place is going to get torn up doing that. It sounds like what you're suggesting is more of an enforcement issue yeah, than an occupancy right. limit, because you're saying that they already yeah, have so the occupancy limit. You know what I'm talking about when people have four-bedroom house and they have 20 right. people staying there, and, and they're allowing yeah, it. That, and that's all. That's so that seems like that would be against the fire, yeah, the fire code. You know, I don't know how that works. Th this is another issue that's high, highly difficult to enforce. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you can say you have eight people and you sneak in a ninth person. Yeah. I mean, how hard is that to find out? Yeah, but when you're saying you, you sleep eight people and you're putting 20 in there, that's pretty obvious. Well, and, yeah. And then that would also take care of a lot of the problems. That's the why I, problems, I think other it's... Other things are kind of fall into place. That's why I think it's nice to have this sign with the maximum occupancy on there so people can see that. It's no, it becomes a little more visible when that situation happens. Otherwise, nobody will ever know. But the point is when people, owners, are allowing it, they're wow. saying it's okay to put 24 people in my four-bedroom house, two-bathroom house. That they're in violence it of the seems ordinance. like that would be against uh, like a fire department thing. We do see a lot of that, especially this time of year, you know, coming up. So maybe you're suggesting spot checks from the city code enforcement. Well, when they when they say when they register as they should, um, they and they say, okay, I have a four bedroom house. Why are they allowing twenty people to stay there? They'll put they occupancy twenty. They can't. But it's supposed to. No. Yeah. So you're talking See, about there's enforcement. a couple of houses I've seen that have it, it posted six twenty four. Where it's where that's said, it falls under uh, uh, fire department. Yeah. That when you're talking about occupancies, number of bedrooms, people. Uh, and yes, it happens and it's going to continue to happen. And, and so therefore it falls into, you know, a police department or code. Or, or it, it's an, something that we're not going to discuss enforcement of. Um, I think it would be a good idea to put something like that in, in the code. It's, it's a like very so good concern. You but... can only have so many people, something like that. So many bedrooms can only have so many people staying at it, period, and not allow these things to double. When you, occupancy doubles, so do the problems. You may even triple when you get that many people staying in one unit, you know. But this may not be the place for it. I Actually, just no, it, it is, it is, it is. It's a, it's a good suggestion. I agree with you. There should be some kind of occupancy limits so you don't have in fact, you're not the first person to, to mention that. I had a, uh, another resident that sent me an email today uh, that discussed about that with some of her recommendations. If the board doesn't mind, I want to kind of read the recommendations that this resident made. Um, one had to do with occupancy. This came from Chris Townsend, a longtime resident of the island. And uh, she is asking that uh, the city council consider occupancy determined by the number of bathrooms in a residence. Yep. Her observation is that uh, a lot of people are putting six or more people in one bedroom mm -hmm. with bunk beds and trundles or whatever. 
And uh, her belief is that a limit of four per bathroom is more reasonable than six or more per bedroom. That makes sense to me. Um, another suggestion she made is that uh, the city council consider incentivizing owners with uh, discounts on the registration or taxes if there's no complaints over a period of time. I don't know if I like that one, but I told her I'd say it. And uh, the last thing that she suggested was that uh, uh, the city develop some kind of rental enforcement position, possibly possibly paid out of a hot tax to reduce the burden on police. And we talked about the response of police, and actually I've got some things to talk about that as well later on. Anyway, so your concern of occupancy is heard, and uh, I do think that we should recommend something to the city council that they look at occupancy limits for these homes. So thank you very much. Ken Rakers again, citizen. I've looked through this list and, and, and I've been to a couple meetings with different things in the city. And it, it seems like we take an approach of uh, one or two or three minor instances of things going on. And we use a shotgun to try to solve the problem. And, you know, one of the speakers spoke a while ago about the enforcement. You know, I've, I've been involved in rental in the past and nobody's ever knocked on my door or called me or complained about me being registered or not registered. Uh, it, it's interesting that that uh, there's been no enforcement of, of this ordinance of short-term rentals that I know of. And uh, I was at a meeting here several months back and several of the speakers talked about, you know, there, there's just nobody doing anything. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that's a problem, I think, with the short-term rental. The other thing is people talk about short-term rentals of registered people. Uh, I talked to the former mayor back three or four years ago when this was started, and the problem is identifying the non-registered people. And the city, to my knowledge, really hasn't done much to get that accomplished at this point. And somebody mentioned there may be a 1,000 people out there renting properties that are not registered. And with today's technology, it's much easier to catch them than it used to be 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you'd drive around a car and check, check addresses and <clears> check <throat> license plates and see stuff, and then try to find out who that owner was, whether they were registered or not. Today, you can do it online pretty easy. So the, I think the city's got some ways to go before they get some of these problems solved. But like I say, I, I think many of the cases have been approached with a shotgun rather than a rifle. You know, if you've got five people violating the violating the regulation, go after them. You don't have to shoot everybody in the community to get them. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody? Good. Oh, well, you got anything you'd like to uh, add to this discussion? I'd just like to add that in basically what he just said, I think we need to step up enforcement. Um, I don't know how, you know, it's not as e not that easy to, to find, to weed out who's registered, who's not. Mm -hmm. that, that's a little more difficult. But I think that what is on the books and <clears throat> with our recommendations, what the city decides to do, I think it's important, you know, the, the, last, the last part of it needs to be uh, enforcing. Our, our, you know, we're, we've been here two hours, and if it's not going to be enforced, that's the point. Then, then there is no point to be in here. Well, I, keep, I keep hearing this underlying theme that there's a lot of properties out there that aren't registered. And, yeah, it is going to be difficult to find them, but I don't think it's impossible. 
It's not that difficult. When the ordinance was first written, they hired a person who was an intern from UT RGV. And what they did was to go through and crawl all of the various websites that are out there that most of these properties are advertised on, VRBO, Airbnb, those are the two biggest that are used on the island. And they literally used a crawler to go in there and see if there was a registration number. And that was the reason that the former city attorney recommended so strongly that we say wherever advertised. Because if you say just where rented, people would say, I'm not renting my property, and they don't report any income. But if they're advertising it out there, and, if the, and the ordinance was written that way, so that they have to be registered and they have to post that registration number, the whole purpose of that was to make it easy to go find them. But we quit doing it. And so all we need to do is hire somebody again. The license fee, we think, will generate about $300,000 a year. And the software that's being purchased is not just to identify, as I understand it, problems within vacation rentals, but to be able to help the police department determine where we have issues and reports all over the island. But needless to say, there are ways to use the hot tax funds. You can't use it to collect hotel tax. The law won't allow you to do that. But you, we were allowed to use CVB personnel, and that's where this person was hired, to go ahead and collect that information. I'd like to recommend that if the city wants to look at revising the ordinance, that we do another task force. And certainly, the Vacation Rental Management Association, I will be the first one to volunteer. I really, frankly, loved being part of the project to do that. And I will share with this group what a couple of brokers in this room know. I resigned my position as a officer of the Board of Realtors because there was so much opposition to me taking the position that we should have a short-term rental ordinance and the concern over property rights. But I believe that it was important to have a really well-written ordinance. It's there. Everyone needs to read it. They need to promote it. And we need to enforce it. And it's got teeth in it. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. At the risk of uh, making this meeting way too long, uh, I, I did have four things that I wanted to discuss with the, the commission under uh, item E, and three of them actually have to do with enforcement, which uh, seems to be a pretty hot topic at the end of all this. Um, in addition to that, I would like to recommend to the city council, or I'd like to make a motion to the board recommends the city council that uh, we do hire somebody to start the uh, identifying the non-registered rentals on the island. Um, but that will be part of everything else I want to talk about. The things that, that I wanted to discuss, um, all of it, it, I didn't make it up. I, I pilfered it from other cities. <laughs> <laughs> you plagiarized um, it. Yeah, I did. I, I, well, I, I changed the wording a little bit, so it's not total plagiarism. But, I, <laughs> um, but it has to do with enforcement. And what I mentioned about earlier, uh, I think Port Aransas does this, where they Third part of their ordinance allows for the inspection of properties. And the way they worded it, or similar, the way they worded it, is that uh, properties must be made available to the city for inspection to ensure continued compliance with requirements of ordinance, of this ordinance. Short-term rental properties will be subject to inspection every, they had 24 months, it'd be 12, 24, whatever. Uh, let's say 24, every 24 months unless an immediate inspection 
is required to address specific concerns or suspected violation. In addition to that, I think we have to add some other things. Um, enforcement, personally, I don't think it can be our police department. They're overburdened with this stuff anyway. It should either be code enforcement or maybe our, our city marshal, somebody other than the police department. And the third part of it is a part of enforcement has to allow for permit revocation or denial for excessive violations. And by excessive, I'm, I'm, I would define that as more than three in a year. Um, false or misleading information on their application and uh, overdue taxes. Those are all valid points. Um, any further discussion on those three things before I go on to the last? I think there would be a, some hesitation between the, uh, even though if they're registered, but if they're a short, you know, if they're, well, short term, if they're a short term, short term renter, uh, let's say somebody has a home that is their second home, but they just want to pay the taxes on it and they rent it about, Oh, they rent it, you know, three times a year. Okay, really, you know, and, and, and if that was me, and then I'm subject to inspection of the inside of my my home. I mean, second homes are still your home. True, and, but uh, you're allowing strangers in too. What's the difference? Yeah. Well, yeah. And this is and, and it's not that it's it's just registered. Again, everything we're talking about is is registered properties because I think the city needs to enforce that which we mentioned you know, they, 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 you know, there's homes down here that rental homes that they're nothing but they're 100% right. uh, uh, income producers that mm -hmm. I mean that's a business it, it seems to me that the cities that have ordinances that have this type of language in it it doesn't necessarily indicate that the places are going to be inspected on that annual or, or biannual basis too. but they're subject to it and that way the city would have if we implemented something like that it would give the city an opportunity to make sure that everything else we've talked about everything else in the ordinance that we didn't talk about is enforceable well just uh, well this is starting to become a big business when yeah, no, it you is. see some of these dollar figures they're claiming now it's like right. it's yeah. just no longer a mom and pop operation it's big business well, Okay, I'll make a motion then. If unless you want to discuss those things, anyway, I'll make a motion that uh, we recommend to the city council that they consider everything I mentioned a minute ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you want me to go through it again? Or are we good? Write that up. Okay, I'll go through it again. Um, the motion is that uh, we recommend to the city council that they consider amending the short-term rental ordinance to include that short-term registered short-term properties be made available to the city for inspection to ensure continued compliance with requirements of the city short-term rental ordinance. Short-term rental properties will be made subject to inspection every 24 months unless immediate inspection is required to address a specific concern or a suspected violation. Additionally, that the city consider implementing some type of enforcement of the city of these ordinance 
other than using the police department. And that the city consider as a part of their ordinance to include enforcement that allows for permit revocation or denial for excessive violations, three or more, or more than three in a 12 month period, um, false or misleading information on an application or overdue taxes. Additionally, the city consider hiring either an employee or an intern to uh, actively look for non-registered short-term rentals within the city limits. I hope I was clear. Oh, I like that, Joe. That's good. Thank you. I'll second that, Joe. All right. We got a second. Good. Let's hurry. Okay. <laughs> we got a motion. We have a second. All in favor of the of those four recommendations. Aye. Aye. None nay. opposed. Nay. Nay. Got one, one nay. One opposed. Okay. I have one more thing I'd like to talk about. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. And this is just for discussion. I don't know that I necessarily want to make a recommendation. I want to make a motion. Go ahead. Yeah. But another thing I just wanted to consider: um, some cities have density limitations on short-term rentals, and what that means is you can't have a street with nothing but short-term rentals. And I just want to read to you what. The, and again, it's not exactly how this particular city has it. I kind of change it to fit us, but. Um, for density limitations, if if we wanted to recommend the city council to consider it, um, I would recommend that it be something in effect of, in order to preserve the essential character of residential districts, talk about districts B, B2, and E, short-term rental permits shall be limited to no more than, and we'll come up with a percentage, I would say 30% of the total number of residential units on a city block. Now, the way this particular city I looked at, it, the way they had that worded, is they required uh, the city uh, that STR permits be limited to no more than 15% of the total number of residential units on a block face. And it, it uh, defined block face as the side of a street between intersections. I think with this city, we don't necessarily have to do that. If we wanted to have a density limitation, to preserve the character of our residential districts, I'm thinking we could do the 30%, which would be the same as 15 on each side of the street, on any given street. And our streets are short enough in these zones that you could just say 15 or 30% of the total number of residential units on any given street. Okay. <clears throat> my my only thought about that is you're 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 getting into almost like property rights. Uh, with rentals, you know, they're not going away. They're becoming more popular. And, uh, you know, you're restricting somebody the use of their property. And, uh, you know, by putting a percentage or putting a number it would or be, It would be interesting to, to <clears throat> see, and I wish I, I had the uh, forethought to look into it, or the time for that matter, to kind of break down on the city streets and see how many of our what the percentage is on any given street, or all of our streets for that matter, of um, registered short-term rentals. Um, I know on the street that I live on, because I counted them, um, I have 25 residences on my street. Out of those 25, five of them are short-term rentals, the rest of them are full-time residents. Uh, that's, uh, what, 20% exactly. Um, 
it would be interesting to see what it is citywide. And if it's under 30%, I think that would be a way to protect the city in maintaining our residential districts in the future. And maybe it's something that city council can look at down the road. Um, it would take more research, I think, to, to see exactly what we have now. Because I wouldn't want to, you know, implement something like this and then find out we have some streets that are at 50% or, or you know, more than the 30 that, that I'm sure we do. Well, why don't you make a motion just saying the city look into it and come up with a density chart? This is another thing that we looked at when we wrote the ordinance. We actually went out and looked at ordinances all over this country in resort markets similar to ours, not in your residential markets like Austin, Dallas, et cetera, because we wanted it to be consistent with where we live. And we choose to live in a resort community. We rely on real estate and we rely on tourism for the economy of this island. And I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon. And when we looked at this, this screamed, and we were advised, it screams lawsuit ready to happen. And I think that now I'll put my broker hat back on. We've had a lot of people in the last three years who have bought properties on this island. A lot of properties changed hands, many, many, many. And many of those bought them with intent for them to be able to rent. And I think that to recommend this to council is recommending something that, frankly, is contrary to our economy, and it's contrary to property rights. I knew there'd be people that didn't like that. Idea. I would just like to say, um, because I hear all kinds of stuff, I'm very involved at Texas Realtors and our government, governmental affairs, and I think if you do some research and you find some of these things with bans and density levels, et cetera, there's lawsuits pending against the cities. So I think that might not be a road that I would want to go down. We should wait until some of those lawsuits settle, see how they come out. Yeah, this, 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 Tom Goodman again, this is a burgeoning industry. It really has changed rapidly. COVID actually did propel the vacation rental industry ahead probably five years where it was headed. Um, and for those of us who are in the business and, and so on, we we're, are seeing these issues happen all the time. Um, what you're never going to stop is people in a vacation market out here who their own homes are vacation homes, but they don't rent them but they're still going to let their friends come in. They're still going to let other people go in. They're still going to have, you're never going to stop that. So to try to limit those who are want to kind of profit off of that is really, really, I mean, like, like Eva Jane and, and the others said, is that it's, you're running into property rights issues and, and the ability to use stuff. Again, we're better off in trying to, uh, instead of restrict them, control them. I mean, there's, there's two different things here, and, and that's what I'm all about. I'm all about controlling it. I'm not all about restricting it. I don't want to restrict it, but I'm going to control it. And I think that's where we, our focus needs to, to remain. Didn't like that. I'm nope. I didn't expect I any of the property. I don't think we need to like control that. it, However, but it would be interesting just to know what it is. Yeah, it would be. So having considered everything, I would like to make a motion that we recommend to the city council that they investigate methods to promote the preservation of the character of residential districts, BB2 and E, uh, to include the possibility of density limitations and other options. 
and we'll leave it open. Let them figure it out. That's what we pay them, a dollar a year. Okay. That's a motion. Anybody want to second that? No. I don't think we need to go there. But no. Okay. Okay. We lost Dana. Okay. Do I have another second? Anybody want to add or? No, okay. 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 okay, we'll just, just withdraw the, <clears throat> the uh, motion. Okay, anybody else want to speak on any other matter? If not, item five. Um, got something to say. No, we're good. Talk about it. Item five, we're adjourned. Thank you.